0: Hey there, fanboys and girls, you're listening to Fanboys with Nate and Adam. We have a great new episode for you today. The episode you're about to listen to, Nate and I dive into the brand new X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix. For those of you that might not know, this is supposed to be the last of Fox's long-running X-Men series. First we got Brian Singer's series with Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McKellen, and then we got the reboot with Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. If I've read correctly, I do believe that Disney has recently, somewhat recently, acquired all the rights to the long-standing X-Men and their characters uh, there's an endless wall of characters in there for the X-Men. Uh, we hope, obviously, to see the X-Men enter the MCU universe in the future. We don't know how long that'll be, uh, but we're all looking forward to it, obviously. Uh, but until then, who knows what we're going to see. Um, I think I've read some stuff for some spinoff stories that could be or might have been following Beast's character in the reboot series. Who knows? Uh, but until then we have dark phoenix to analyze another note that i'm very happy to announce to all you out there our audio quality as of this week in this very new episode is finally up to par with what we've meant it to be since day one it took us a while i should say it took me a while but finally we figured out the bugs and kinks to making sure that our recording remote of each other us both being co-hosts of this show our audio quality is what we intended it to be hope you can tell For those of you who have not seen the movie yet, fair warning, spoiler alert to follow. For those of you who have seen it, Nate and I's review is coming up. Let's get to it.
1: And Uh, I have video.
0: Yay, nice. (laughs) (laughs) So those earbuds are Bluetooth. That's weird. I always thought they looked like they were auxiliary. I've never seen something like that before. I'm used to them being like just the ones without the wires if they're Bluetooth. Um, So, an
1: idea. Well, because I... mine can go like this, and I just hang them ah. on my neck, and they can connect with a magnet so that they're secure. That's handy. When it's not time to Bluetooth, and then when it's time to Bluetooth again. <laughs>
0: nice. So, I
1: like that. So, I've been told that you saw it. What are... I, so, to... I saw the movie just for this podcast.
0: Just for this podcast? Well, just for you, Silo. Listeners appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give me yeah. your first impressions.
1: Um, it was a bad movie <laughs> and I don't recommend it. <laughs> End
0: scene. <laughs> no, I mean, right away. Um, and I had to get this confirmed from um, other sources of uh, Michelle's friends or something. Cause X-Men weren't titles that I read in comics over the years much at all um if i remember correctly i think you were a big fan of the animated series correct
1: oh multiple animated series i was a fan of the x-men animated series in the 90s yeah and i was a fan of x-men evolution in the 2000s okay
0: um well, a lot yeah. of my knowledge for the stuff, I mean, usually originates from movies, and then I dive more into old stuff so I can see, like, well, was that true in the old stories and in the, in the TV series and the comics, whatever? Um, but one of the things that I really like about Charles Xavier as a character, um, which uh, is no truer than what I thought I saw in First Class, which is why I love First Class so much, um, that he was the true... Uh, moral compass for the team that's why he was a leader for the x-men that's why a lot of them look up to him they they entrust themselves to come to this university that he runs to try and help people hone their powers and everything and then comes dark phoenix where i know that there's a, supposed to be a side to his character where he has a sense of hubris at trying to keep the dark power that is underneath Jean's gray persona at bay but within this movie we jump I felt like it went a little bit over the top with him having um uh getting a little bit too into his head and how much the public um liked him how humans uh started to actually like to want him come forth and and speak and stuff he was getting a little bit over his head and also um sticking very much to his guns like they painted him very much I think as a villain which I didn't care for but I got reaffirmed from other people that that was a thing sort of back in the comics in the day. I don't know if it was also true in the series for the animated series, but that's a part that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I liked his persona most from first class.
1: No, that's a legitimate point. Um, Xavier is in many ways, the traditional moral compass. Now, a lot of the Marvel cinematic universe And movie universe is based on the ultimate alternate storyline so you have the main Marvel Universe 616 and then you have the ultimate universe Um, you know the Avengers movies are based off the Ultimates version I'm not familiar with the ultimate uh, X-Men storylines and that Xavier may be more prone to human foibles okay Um, and hubris and things I don't know it wouldn't surprise me if he was, and they drew inspiration from that. Okay. Um, but I do prefer him as the moral compass of the group, and I also, like you, did not appreciate um, the high amount of hubris and ego that he exhibited in this movie.
0: Because if, if nothing else, I felt like it was a little bit of a regression for his character, because you saw he was... In the very beginning stages of uh, first class, he was hitting on women using his ability to uh, you know initiate pickup lines and stuff like that. And then you see him progress in uh, this relationship with um, with uh, Mystique and Eric um, and being like a really good person to go to to have questions answered about yourself. Which what's the right uh, choice to make? That's why I love him so much. But it didn't go that way in this movie, at least in the beginning. Um, and also, I related a lot to, since a lot of my knowledge is based from the movies, um, how that was paralleled with uh, the way his character was portrayed with um, Patrick Stewart. So, in the third X-Men movie, when they show this sort of same storyline, I don't feel like they went as much over the top with his um, choice to try and um, you know keep the... As what is it? As Wolverine says, the the animal in the cage, so to speak. Like he he admits that he made a mistake. He thinks that he did it for the right choices back then, but they just went a little bit overboard in this movie. That was my um, opinion for starters. Um, however, I think my positive takeaway from the movie, who is probably on the side of uh, Charles, my favorite character arc, and I think they still did fairly well with him, was Magneto. I loved Eric's character still in this movie.
1: Well, Michael Fassbender is a great actor. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well, James McAvoy is a good actor, too. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. <laughs> They're both good actors, and these are both strong characters. And Magneto is a great character. Michael Fassbender plays him well. Um, and he was written better in this movie than Xavier was. So when you have a great actor playing a solid character and the writing is good, mm-hmm. you're going to get an all-around better performance. I think McAvoy did really well acting-wise. Yeah, nothing against uh, Right, him. Xavier was written um, to be the bad guy, so to speak. Kind of like a jackass. Right. Um, and he, he was the antagonist. <clears throat>
0: But when it comes Um, to story arcs, I felt like I was really satisfied with the scene when Gene comes to meet Eric. um, And I don't know what the word was for the uh, community that he had created. um, The Brotherhood of Mutants. Well, Brotherhood, right. I didn't think about that. But, like, if there was a name for the location that they were at, they called it. But, yeah, you're right. The Brotherhood. Um, How?
1: Uh, There are... Mutant sanctuaries from the lore mm-hmm. that have various names. I know of Avalon. And all of those escape me right now. Okay. Ah, yes, Avalon. Avalon's the only thing that I know about I don't about know if mind. they're calling his compound Avalon. Um, what? So you referenced past X-Men movies. hmm So I think there's two ways to explore this film. There's where you look at it in and of itself as a standalone movie. Okay. And then you look at it in the context of past X-Men films.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And while we're on the topic of Eric, if you look at this as a standalone movie, Michael Fassbender played the part. Well, the character is solid and everything's good. If you look at it in the context of the, of the other X-Men films, none of this shit makes any sense. <laughs> right. Because and that's, that's the in consensus. The over past years. X-Men, in the past X-Men film, right. In like, First class, he tried to assassinate the president. Mm-hmm. In Apocalypse, he brought about major human and natural disaster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. Uh, why isn't he in prison? <laughs> why hasn't he been assassinated? Like the world governments, especially America, isn't going to just let this guy just have an island with an agreement quote unquote with the US government Right. he tried to assassinate Nixon Mm -hmm. (laughs) wait
0: wait 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 wait. no in his words in the movie because I had to to uh, re-binge Eric's take was that he actually was trying to save Nixon because he was quote one of us everyone thought that he did it but he told told that's not
1: what the American people saw on TV though right yeah (laughs) The American people, when they see shit like that on TV, they call for blood. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pearl Harbor, call for blood. Mm -hmm. Alamo, call for blood. Right. 9-11, call Call for for blood. blood. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the reaction of the American people when they feel attacked. Right. They're like, oh, we have an enemy. We will crush them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. If if a mutant comes out and appears to try to assassinate the president – Mm. Mm. <laughs> the mainstream media and the unmainstream media are all gonna come on TV and be like, "We gotta kill this mofo," because that's the American way. Right. <laughs> so the the idea that they would just be like have a quote unquote truce mm-hmm. with um. With Magneto and just have him have this compound island or whatever is crazy. Yeah, no, no, nobody would stand for that.
0: <sighs> the, yeah, there's flaws to a lot of logic. I
1: mean, the, the plot holes in Dark Phoenix when you talk about all the other X Men movies are so many and so big.
0: Well, that's what happens when you compare them to the old movies because it's nothing but a well of continuity issues.
1: That's the thing with that men right. Yeah. Even even the the three new movies, right? First Class Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix.
0: Uh there's also um Days of Future Past, so that's the fourth.
1: Right. So that that's supposed to combine the two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if you just go with the the last three, mm-hmm. right? You still have plot holes. Yeah. Like forget about the first initial movies with like Famke Jensen as um Jean Grey. Jean Grey Phoenix, right? Yeah. Which that version of Phoenix is much better and I recommend people go watch that movie and have a great time <laughs> as opposed to Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Um Famke Jensen uh acts well in it. She looks beautiful in it. The other characters and actors are great. Uh strongly recommended. Um Even if you just take these new class movies, there's tons of plot holes because whoever's making these films has not plotted out the course for the movies, Mm -hmm. right? They're just making standalone movies and trying to write in as much nonsense as possible. Right,
0: it's 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 the like, op- it's the opposite of taking the Marvel approach. You make one movie, you hope it does well, and then it, if it does well, okay, well what are we going to do next instead of like what
1: are we going to do for a yeah. four arc story? Fox Fox might have planned out those first couple X-Men movies, mm-hmm. but they've been winging it on X-Men movies for about four movies now. Yeah. Um, and it shows.
0: <laughs> it's a shame I mean, because I, I like Sophie Turner, and I imagine you might be too because she's on Game of Thrones.
1: She's so. very good on Game of Thrones. I love her and her character on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And when you have Sophie Turner riding high post the most popular movie or the most popular television program of all time, and you have her in a starring role in your movie, you know you're going to be all right. Yeah. As far as tickets sold, right? Sophie Turner's coming off a high. And Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy are established character actors now. It's like, there's your trifecta, right? You good. You good to go with this movie. <laughs> um Same with Jennifer Lawrence. You're like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence, ensemble cast. Yeah. Okay, we've got a Hollywood... A movie right now, right? <clears throat> um, so, like, the studio took no risk when they made this. Uh, but, man, the plot holes are just not worth it. So, uh,
0: if, because... you're, if you're not comparing it to the original um, movies, give me an example of one that you are referring to as far as plot holes.
1: <sighs> so... If you're talking about plot holes, you're really referencing past content. That's what I was going to say. Um, I'm sure that the the writing is lazy enough that if I analyzed the movie in its own – in and of itself, I could find a plot hole or mm-hmm. three. But I haven't dug deep enough yet to be able to speak on that. Right. It seems very likely. Um,
0: so – an example but like, okay for instance
1: you go ahead for, uh, for instance off the top of my head and this is i don't know if this is a plot hole or a directing issue but the beginning of the movie you know it shows flashbacks to the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. right <clears throat> then the movie takes place in 1992 none of the characters age that's
0: yes that's true yeah it skipped uh let's see what when did the last one take place i
1: uh, 1980 something. Okay. 1983. So tenish, tenish years. So the first one takes place in the mid to late 70s, right? First class, mm-hmm. and McAvoy and Fassbender look about what they look like now. Yeah. Then you age them up eight years or so. <laughs> okay, maybe they look about the same. Now you age them up another ten years, mm-hmm. nine years. They still look the same. they're not aged up and especially, and the, and especially time, the kids yeah right That's within the old move within the movie itself mm-hmm. right Now mystique can look like whatever she wants. yeah <laughs> if she wants to look 19 or 27 or 50, she's mystique, she can do that. Mm-hmm. but literally everyone else, WTF.
0: And see, that's the interesting thing when it comes to picking out plot holes, if you want to jump through continuity, trying to introduce Michelle to them for the first time. Um, I don't remember how I did in uh, order-wise, because we were crunching for time before the new one came out. But she even picked out how, in the first series of movies, uh, in X2, it was about Stryker creating a duplicate Cerebro, and... um, Mystique went on some sort of information heist to try and get information and saw stuff about Cerebra that she didn't know. But Michelle knew from watching the other ones, it's like, when they were younger, she watched them build it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Everybody else knows that that's a plot hole.
1: <laughs> yes, the Rebecca Romaine to the Jennifer Lawrence Mystique um, makes no sense, right? Mm. And if... Fassbender, if, if Magneto and Professor X are approximately the same age in the comics, and Magneto was approximately nine to fourteen years old, let's say ten years old, in the concentration camp. Mm-hmm. So in 1943,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Then in 1991, what's how many years is it from 43 to 91? Fifty. Oh, 48.
0: He, he, he'd look much older if he.
1: <laughs> that is not a 58 year old man. No. <laughs> All right. It's not. Fastbender does not look 58. He just doesn't look 58. He looks 40. <laughs> sure. If you want to say 40. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not 58. Not pushing 60 years old. Because. <laughs> So that doesn't make sense for the character within the movie. Now, if you want to reference past movies, then the distance between 1992, when this movie takes place, Dark Phoenix, and where the first X-Men takes place, right? Played by Sir Ian... McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen, like 1999?
0: Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. 2000? Yeah.
1: Time frame? So like... You're saying he goes from Michael Fassbender to Sir Ian McKellen? Yeah, in eight years.
0: Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, online, the the online community was peppered with that. Like, what the hell happened to this guy in that span of time? He looks god awful.
1: That's, that's as effed up as the Jude Law Dumbledore in the latest Harry Potter movie. <laughs> okay. The sequel to um, uh, Beasts the... and Where to Find Them. Yeah, yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah, Fantastic Beasts. I haven't watched those ones yet. You should watch the first
1: Fantastic Beasts, but not the second. Duly noted. Okay. So they have a big aging issue in for Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beasts movies because they're prequels to Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore is played by Jude Law, who is a great actor yeah. and very handsome man. Right? So from the time the second Fantastic Beasts comes out to like – the first Harry Potter, Dumbledore is supposed to age like 70 years. I'm being facetious. <laughs> in like 10 years. Uh huh. Just like Sir Ian McKellen in, in, in 2000 versus Fassbender in 1992, which looks exactly like Fassbender in 1976. Right. Maybe five, 10 years older, right? Because the actor literally aged, but definitely not 60 years old.
0: Well, um, on the topic of Fastbender, one of the things I wanted to touch, because uh, I liked his story arc, as I had mentioned before, um, I think that for this being the end, as we know it, of the Fox-run X-Men series, I think his storyline came to a good conclusion, if we're to call it that, uh, when Gene visited him at the um, the quote-unquote uh, brotherhood area, and we know that she comes to find him because she wants to know how he learned to stop killing. And I really liked his answer. Mm. I'm very satisfied with the uh, dialogue that they gave me. He said, well, uh, I thought that I would seek out vengeance because of all the people. He lost a lot of people. I mean, you can't dispute yes, that.
1: Yes, Auschwitz was bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, that. Uh, he watched his what his daughter get murdered and I think his wife as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he just lost everything and he he was like I went on vengeance to try and uh make peace for everything I lost and I didn't get that so I decided to stop. Which I thought to myself if only other people out there that had that sort of vindictive uh um life that they could just reach that same conclusion. I feel like most don't. But I was, I, I genuinely appreciated that uh that bit that they gave him.
1: Well, when you live your life for vengeance, everyone living their life for vengeance has to come to the conclusion on their own.
0: On their own time.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have to draw that conclusion from within or it doesn't work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you're right. His his story arc in the last three movies has been solid. And, um, and that's great. Yeah. Um, And same with Professor X, you know, by the end of the movie, he was willing to admit that he made mistakes. Mm -hmm. It took a lot really bad shit happening for him to get to that point because of the arrogance that he was exhibiting at the time. But um, no, they they tried to have character growth. No beast grew a lot. Um, in the last two movies and we saw his growth and we saw Mystique's growth. Um, I think you're right that Magneto has some of the best, most satisfying character growth, but, but I acknowledge that they did try to make sure that all the main characters did grow.
0: Did you have any misgivings about um, how they chose to kill off uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character?
1: I mean... You have to make an emotional impact with the audience somehow, right? And the only way to do that is to kill off a major character The Phoenix killing like cops or soldiers or nameless security guard isn't going to elicit an emotional reaction from the audience, right? It just isn't. She could kill off. She could wipe a city. Of nameless, of nameless people, the audience is going to be like, oh, oh, she's really strong. <laughs> like, to kill off a, a main character, part of the ensemble, that elicits a strong emotional reaction uh, from the audience, and you need to do that, so the choice makes sense um, from that perspective.
0: Did you happen to catch any... So, I think one of the gimmicks that uh, each X-Men movie has, especially when they did the first three, is trying to see how many and what new characters they can put in the movie to appease fans, because there's a lot to choose from. Did you pick out any Mm -hmm. that you hadn't seen before, or ones that you would hope to have seen in there that you're a fan of?
1: Um, no. You didn't pick any? Not really. Um my favorite X-Men is Colossus and in X-Men, the last stand or United. Yeah. We saw a hulking teenage Colossus transform, help the other students. And that was my best Colossus moment of the last 15 years of X-Men because in Deadpool, he's just for laughs.
0: Well, I was going to say, because did, so you, 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 You choose the first one over the one from Deadpool, even though Deadpool was a little bit more comic accurate.
1: I like the Deadpool Colossus, but he is the straight man um, for a comedic duo. Okay. Right? He plays the straight man to Deadpool's um, gimmicky. uh, Comedic comedic bits. Yeah. Right? To set up the jokes um and that is his primary function um and then his secondary function in those movies is to demonstrate how strong of an opponent they're facing okay so in the first deadpool movie colossus is there he shows up he swings at um i forget the name of the female um at the end of the fight on the way to francis yeah i can't remember either um, the beautiful MMA fighter that they had playing that part. Mm-hmm. And she catches his fist and you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> uh, she's stronger than Colossus. Right. And then right. Nagasonic teenage warhead has to jump in. Second movie Colossus comes out. It's juggernaut. And you see juggernaut just wreck Colossus. Uh, tear him in half, yada, yada. And it demonstrates how powerful juggernaut is. Mm. Right, so, That's the the secondary function of Colossus in those movies is to demonstrate how strong the villain is. Um, His tertiary function is non-existent. Those are his two functions: not to be a dynamic, multifaceted, um, subtle, emotionally complex character.
0: Okay. Uh, One of the uh, because as we had touched on uh, in a previous episode, how I'm usually generally generally satisfied with the. new movies and stuff that come out. That was one nitpicky thing that I actually had wished they had done differently with his character in the original ones was at least give him the, uh, Russian accent, correct? Or is it German? Yes. Russian. Okay. Russian. Um, cause I mean, they made, okay. It was nightcrawler them that was German and they gave him yes. his character aspects that he was supposed to have. Um, uh, so that's why I was just happy when they at least, uh, made the character of the, um, of all the stuff that he was supposed to have in the Deadpool movies. But um, yeah, I can see why you like the one from the original movies. Um, And and Colossus is an easy fan favorite anyway.
1: Yes. Who doesn't want, I mean, anyone can see the appeal of being a normal person. And then when the time comes, just being able to essentially snap your fingers and become invulnerable to harm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, right, We all understand the appeal of that inherently, so it's nice.
0: <clears throat> have I told you my favorite X-Men before?
1: I'm sure that you have, but please remind me.
0: <laughs> it's usually a close tie. I have a hard time deciding between Gambit and Iceman.
1: Well, they're both reasonable choices.
0: And one of the fun things that I've uh, been doing explaining all the X-Men movies to Michelle, um, which again, a lot of my knowledge and stuff comes from having these conversations with you from back in the day. I tried to explain to her that they teach us in the, it's the second or third X-Men movie. It might've been last stand, uh, how they explain the levels of one through five mutants. And generally a mutant that has an elemental power or somebody like Magneto is going to be a level five because his power can manipulate things that are used by everybody almost on the planet and can create a lot of destruction and yes iceman being a hugely elemental person is like a, i think a hard level 5 so i got to explain the ins and outs of that to her
1: sure in the comics we use they use the term omega level okay so omega is the is the most powerful level of mutant and iceman is an omega level mutant who, in the comics who
0: are some of the other ones that
1: i might not know um Scarlet Witch,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure
1: is Omega level. Magneto, I I don't know if he's Omega level or not. Um, he might be at this point.
0: Is Xavier considered um, just because of the ability to? I mean, with Cerebro, touch all the minds on the planet.
1: I don't, I don't think Xavier is. I think he's a step down. Okay, I mean, Cerebro enhances his powers, um, but if you take Cerebro away, his He's, I mean, he's still a powerful mutant, but um, Apocalypse is an Omega-level mutant. Okay. Um, Then you have people like Mad Jim Jaspers. I don't think I know that one. Or Black Tom. Okay. um, Who are just outrageously powerful, like reality-altering... Um yeah. Just just crazy. Uh Phoenix Jean Grey with the Phoenix Force is Omega, Omega level, level, right? Yep. Um Yeah. That's a good list. Uh Rob from comics there's a YouTube channel called Comics Explained hosted <laughs> by a guy named Rob mm-hmm. and he has a great YouTube series on Omega level mutants. Ooh, I will look that up. YouTube bro. And if you want something to listen to that's really solid, I recommend the, the Comics Explained uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it is my favorite comics YouTube channel. And Rob has a lot of content and a lot of playlists.
0: Tell me that I've seen him before. Is he the guy that does an explanation of, like, we don't, most people don't truly know how powerful Superman is? Has he done a bit on that? I don't know. I'd have, Okay. I feel like you and I have watched this video before. We're like, it, it, nobody truly understands if Superman were to use his power to his full ability, it would be the force of like, you know, quintillion sons or something like that.
1: Sure. Um, I don't think that's Rob, okay. but there's a lot of comics, YouTube channels out there. Okay. Um, but I agree with your assessment of Superman to get off topic from, from dark <laughs> Phoenix. Since it's a cr- trash movie, I don't mind taking these off topic channels. Okay. Um, if you follow any of the DC animated movies, because the DC animated movies are really well done, yes. and they have a lot of them. Yes. Um, and there's one called, oh man, who's it? Focus on. It, it's a Superman movie, and there's an upstart of of new heroes. That kind of circum, they're anti heroes and that they're the crowd, the people turn to them. Um, I can't think of it right now, but that has a great uh, end fight where Superman kind of shows off his stuff, like what he can really do. Mm -hmm. And it's insane. There's
0: one that I can think of where it has an ending like that, but I think it's where he goes toe to toe with Darkseid,
1: I think. So. That's the second one I okay. was going to reference. Okay. So, that is in Justice League Unlimited. Okay. So, in the, the TV series, animated TV series, Justice League Unlimited, there's a moment where Darkseid returns. Um, and he's very powerful. He starts wrecking everything. Um, he's questing after the anti life equation, like he always is. Mm-hmm. And. Um, there's the ending fight where Superman's like, "I don't have to hold back because you can take it," and then he just opens up the whole can, you know, all the cans <laughs> of whoopass, and you just see him just wreck Dark Side in five hits or less.
0: Uh, I'll have to go back and, and watch it. it. Is,
1: it's visually excellent and it's worth rewatching. Very pleasing stuff. Um, The first movie I referenced was Superman versus the elite elite. Okay. Okay. Um, So Superman versus the elite is a great fight to watch. That's a DC animated movie. Superman versus dark side in justice league unlimited, the animated television program. And Mm -hmm. then the third one is another DC animated movie. uh, All star Superman. Okay. I think I've seen that one Um, where he does a lot of great things Um, including an arm wrestling contest versus simultaneously left hand and right hand versus, um, Atlas, the Titan and Hercules. (laughs) Okay. Um, and he does a lot of other things to show off his might, but that is a, a nice moment. Okay. Um,
0: We'll, we'll definitely have to uh, do a review of some of our um, favorite DC animateds because I 100% agree with you. That's one of the things where even though the DC cinematic universe has, leaves a little bit to be desired compared to Marvel, the animated movies can make up for a lot. And I know that one of your favorites, which you uh, got me to watch, which I love, it's one of your favorite moments, I forget what the title's called, but when Green Lantern's in the sewers with Batman, and he's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, so you're not just some guy in a bat suit, are you? And then he
1: just turns around and grins. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> that is Justice League Doom. Okay, Justice either Justice League Doom or Justice League War. I feel like it's
0: War, but I could be wrong. They all ah. kind of the titles and stuff all kind of blend together. I feel like they put out a lot over a short period of time. Or maybe yeah. I'm just catching on them later. Once
1: they but... found out that they were making good animated movies, they just started pumping them out. they were go. all solid. There you go. Because uh, they have a lot of good comic storylines to pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to Dark Phoenix. Because we could dedicate a whole movie to DC movies and animation yes. and a whole, another whole our whole show. Yes. We could dedicate a whole, whole other podcast just to talking about Superman. Which I'm completely willing to do in the future. But for now, we should stay mostly focused on Dark Phoenix and why people should not go see it in theaters.
0: (laughs) Agreed. Side note, listeners, please tune in soon in the future to have us talk
1: about uh, DC movies, animated and the like. Anyway, back to Dark Phoenix. Uh, Because if you go see this movie in the theater, you're telling the studio that what they've done is okay. (laughs) That's a good point. And as much as I appreciate Sophie Turner, James McAvoy, Mike Fassbender, and all the rest... Uh, they should not be rewarded for producing trash. They should put in more effort.
0: That's a fair point. And on that logic, I think I applied that with the second – or sorry, the reboot of the Fantastic Four. I have not seen it. I refuse to don't see, see it. it. No. I don't, don't see it. I don't need to. I read enough about – I. I I, I feel like I um, walk the fine line when movies are promoted before they come out in theaters, months before they come out in theaters where you at least sometimes they'll they'll release the um, the plot to the movie. You'll obviously know who's playing the characters. Um, and you'll get a lot of background uh, behind what writers of the script changed, made new, what they kept the same, what direction they wanted to go in. And the more that I read about that new Fantastic Four reboot, I was like, yeah, I want nothing to do with that.
1: So I saw it. <laughs> Did you? And. You regretted it? Yes, I wish I hadn't. Because once again, it rewards the studio for producing garbage. Right. And. Nothing against the young actors who are in that movie.
0: Absolutely. I'm a fan of the people that play the characters like uh, what Michael B. Jordan. I like stuff that he's in. But there's – and the guy that uh, played Reed, he's been in stuff and I can't name it off the top of my head. But I mean I'm a fan of a lot of the people that were in it. I just don't like what they did with the storyline.
1: Yeah, no. It's – look, if you're a young actor and somebody offers you a superhero movie role, you take it. You're going to take it, yeah. Because – if it works out, you 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 have a career based on that, right? Mhm. I mean, this is pre this is way 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 pre um Black Panther Michael B Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. He knows that if this movie comes out, they all know if this if this Fantastic Four reboot makes it out good, they've got 10 years of of paychecks in front of them. Mhm. Um, so I don't blame the actors for taking the part, but the studio has to be punished <laughs> or at least not, reward. not rewarded. Right? I have no way to punish the studio, but I don't have to reward them. Let's, so let's say not reward. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the thing. And this dark Phoenix movie is the same thing. Uh, I've told everyone at my, at work, don't go see it. Um, you know, if you have a streaming service that you're paying for, and the movie shows up one day, for and free. you want to see a nice Sophie Turner movie, yeah. go for it. You know, absolutely fine. If you're just if you love Michael Fassbender and you want to see a movie that he's in, okay, fine. If it's on Netflix or Hulu a year from now, fine, tune in. But don't reward the studio directly.
0: It's a fair assessment. <clears throat> I appreciate um, that. Yeah uh uh, let's let's see as far as final topics to touch on i mean i don't know what did what what did you think of how they ended it how how they quote unquote put their own bow somewhat neatly tied on the end of their series run for the x-men where it's just what um xavier and uh and Eric sitting down and playing chess again. And I, I think I read a lot of people weren't happy with it. It didn't really feel like it closed down a lot of the storyline I told in four past movies,
1: but I like that. The final scene was them playing chess.
0: If you're going to do anything, I feel like you had to incorporate that in some way, which is fine. Yeah. Um, um, and again, just like they did with the, uh, when Phoenix died in the first trilogy you still see that the phoenix is up in the air and stuff so like you know reborn that whole thing
1: as it tends to be yeah fucking a <laughs> um because the end of apocalypse the the age of apocalypse movie is all about um Jean gray unlocking the phoenix within herself mm-hmm. right that's how they defeat Apocalypse. Is Jean Grey taps into the Phoenix Force that's always been inside of her, mm-hmm. and taps into that inner power and releases it in a controlled way, destroys Apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. And when she does that, at the end of Apocalypse. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a bird of prey like flame image comes out. You're correct, right? So that's where we left these characters off. In 1980, let's call it 5, I don't fucking remember. <clears throat> so that's where we left the characters off. Here it is, 1992, she's going into space and getting hit with cosmic phoenix rays. Um, WTF, it's like we just forgot about the movie we just left <laughs> off at. <laughs> So right? so then am I crazy? So am then, I
0: crazy? Correct me if I'm wrong because the details of which the darkness of her powers lies I might be fuzzy on, but is it that she has this innate ability where she's like an omega level mutant? But is it just something I I thought I remembered that in the comics there was actually something to do with some sort of cosmic force? the unlocks the evil part of it that triggers and she can't control it. I mean, do you know how that's originally supposed to work? Turn on, turn off.
1: Sure. So in, in the main Marvel universe, six, one, six, right. Um, the Phoenix force is a cosmic force. Um, and it's an eternal cosmic force that wanders the universe mm-hmm. and finds a host in Jean Grey. Okay. Uh, due to the nature of her mutation, she's a, She's a great host for it. and But it's too much power for her to control. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is all correct. And the Phoenix Force itself has... I don't know if it's correct to say it has sentience, but it has um, motive. And it does not care for... It, if it ends human life, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a... Divine, intergalactic, in uh, dimensional entity of extreme power, why would you care about human life? So, yes, in the main Marvel Universe, you have a cosmic force. It doesn't care about human life. Gene can't control it. People get hurt. Okay, got it. Um, I know that in the Ultimate Universe and in the Ultimate X-Men, the Phoenix Force is an energy source from... Some other place, I think it's interdimensional, but it it's some sort of energy source that Gene taps into from inside. Okay. Um, which, Age of Apocalypse style, would be her tapping into an internal source. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they would later explain the, a, a cosmic event that's ta- that happens off screen. That could have happened for this movie if they so chose Mm -hmm. and not just entered a plot hole, but whatever. We'll just throw in a plot hole anyway, because (laughs) it's a nice 10 minutes of space footage. So that's cool. I mean, if Um,
0: if we're going to give them points for being consistent with anything, let's call it plot holes.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'll give them consistency for lazy writing (laughs) for bad writing. Great visual effects. Yes. Yes. Uh, Great actors also check yes um, interesting characters check writing lazy lazy lazy
0: all right so let's let's see some some final takeaways uh, give me a favorite part if you had to choose a favorite part what did you really enjoy the most even though it was a garbage <sighs> movie for you
1: yes um anything where Magneto shows off his powers is solid. Um, i jump on that bandwagon too. He, the Jean Grey-Magneto helicopter struggle mm-hmm. at the Brotherhood compound, yeah. um, where Magneto was losing that struggle, mm-hmm. right? Oh, but for Jean sure. Jean Grey with Phoenix was not straight up overcoming Magneto. Now, Jean Grey was trying to control the Phoenix at that moment. She wasn't just letting it loose, but Magneto was o- was only losing slowly.
0: I mean, I I remember uh, actually wanting to give him props for the acting of, like, trying to hold on and win that fight. <laughs> just the physicality of his powers, like, uh, yes. trying to make sure that he actually gets the helicopter away safely so he doesn't um, get in more, any more so trouble.
1: That that moment is my runner-up. Okay. Number one, though, is the train fight.
0: Oh, the train fight.
1: Indeed. And the best part of the train fight is when these scrolls who are not scrolls, because Captain Marvel has come out, so they had to not make them scrolls anymore. Right. They're just unnamed space entities with no backstory. Yeah. Yep, yeah, They're they're from space, they're shapeshifters, they have no backstory, no plot device whatsoever. Space alien shapeshifters. That's all we fucking get. It's insane, but that's a whole other thing. You asked about favorite parts. <laughs> so the the shapeshifter that looks like... Um, oh, who's the blonde actress?
0: Uh, I've got it right here. Uh, Jessica Chastain.
1: Oh, yes, Jessica Chastain. Um, who did very well, because another good actress playing what could have been an interesting character if it had any writing behind it um Jessica Chastain's assaulting up the train gets to Magneto Magneto pulls out every gun in the armory simultaneously cocks them, locks him ready to rock and she says to him um something to the effect of I don't want to fight you and Magneto has the best response it which is I get that a lot (laughs) don't want to fight you i get that a lot (laughs) that's the best line in the movie as far as i'm concerned
0: Uh, i could hear you laughing already when
1: you saw it for the first time (laughs) i cracked the f up in the theater by the way there were seven people in the theater oh sad um no appropriate (laughs) and then he unloads all these rounds which she of course regenerates from um because if that worked, then end of conflict, like and, we're done, go home, end of everything's movie. fine. Yeah. Um, but that moment is the great moment, um, and watching Magneto and the rest of the X Men fight against the Not Scrolls, yeah. <laughs> so is, okay. is solid.
0: I'll uh, you know what? That's a fair uh, favorite moment to have. I'll raise you one. I think uh, Michelle's favorite moment was getting to see. Um, Nightcrawler lose his shit and just go ape shit on all those guys. Cause he's usually so um, mild mannered. He's a little, uh, what's yes. the word I want? He's very shy, unsure of himself and stuff, but he, you get to see him go full out, like almost a berserker Wolverine on these guys, which was very entertaining to see.
1: I don't know about berserker Wolverine level, but his he version did hold his own, his version. Um, and I agree. That was excellent. Uh, you got to see him fight with his tail as well. Because mm-hmm. he, he grabbed a guy with the, around the neck and snapped his neck with his tail while he was engaging opponents from the front. Um, it's not as good as the White House um, assassination attempt Okay. Nightcrawler battle. But it was very good because Nightcrawler – because teleporting uh, through hell is a very powerful ability. <laughs> and Nightcrawler has complete control over it. So. Right. Uh, it's great. Uh,
0: what is your top pick for least favorite moment? Full-time garbage. Would have wanted to walk out. I hated it.
1: Uh, when I realized that the villains of the movie were not scrolls. <laughs> when I realized that they were just nameless, plotless, storyless, unfulfilled, two-dimensional alien shapeshifters. <laughs> With no purpose. That was never explained. Uh, that was my least favorite moment. And I'm surprised it took us this long in the show for me to start complaining about them. Because <laughs> they are part of the trash writing behind the Fox team that wrote this.
0: <sighs>
1: Fair enough. All right, so
0: um, I like following the style of questions because usually I get inspiration from reading uh, reviews from IGN. You ever follow IGN news and stuff online?
1: I know IGN, but I do not follow it.
0: All right, if you had to give it a one out of a 10, what's your score? <laughs> Afraid you'll give them too high?
1: <laughs> I want to be fair. You want to be fair? You have me worked up right now, Silo. <laughs> I'm worked up, okay? You don't want to retract your score. I don't want, want my uh, <laughs> emotional state to affect an impartial score. <laughs> so there's somewhere between two and three. Two and three. Fair uh, enough. Above, this is a below four movie for me on a one through ten scale uh but you have not yet revealed your favorite part my favorite part or how you rate it on a ten scale so please enlighten us with both those things
0: okay um usually as i said my favorite part uh generally towards to go towards anything having to do with michael fassbender um i liked his uh I don't know if it's, maybe it's my favorite. I liked when he finally decided, uh, after he learned that uh, Raven died at the hands of Phoenix slash Jean Jean Grey. Um, As much as I said, I enjoyed his realization that uh, he chose to give up on killing. He throws that all the wind. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to go kill this bitch. (laughs) Because they killed his, like, one... Other than Charles, because we know that as much as they're always at odds, they genuinely respect each other.
1: Of course. That's essential to the X-Men story. I really like that about them.
0: Um, But the other person that he truly, truly loves or respects is Mystique. Um, Because he always, uh, I think he saw a bit of himself in her. And so obviously when he learns that she's dead, he gets a little cranky. And then we get to see him go on his rampage. He suits up. I love his helmet, by the way. And I can't wait to get myself a replica to put up on the wall at home. Lo- <laughs> I love his helmet. I love his helmet, man. I say that all the time when I'm watching these with Michelle. Um, specifically in the uh, the reboots. Because it's very stylistically well done from an artistic standpoint. Um, I like seeing him go after her in uh, the building where she was held up. Uh, they put the train. or her- well, That was his solution, too. He just like pulls the train up. From underground and drops it in front of the door. He's like, all right, this is mine. You guys ain't getting in here. So just, you know, have at each other while I go take care of this. And then getting to see her um, do all that she really needed to do. It it makes you wonder, like, how he even thought he could uh, have any fight against her. She uses her power and crushes his helmet on his skull. That was fun to watch. That and the train sequence is probably uh, close to a tie for my favorite moment. My least favorite moment... I'm not sure of. Uh, Oh, uh, I already mentioned it. uh, Having to do with um, going a little bit overboard with the hubris of Charles Xavier's character. Because I like him being uh, the moral compass of the team. Because every team needs someone like Charles Xavier. For a score, I don't know if I'd go as low as two or three. Maybe I'd say... How about a hard 3.5 soft 4? Give it that.
1: Okay. At 10. You think a soft 4 is generous? But Maybe generous. even below 5, which for you is a str- is strong denial.
0: If I'm comparing it to the ones that preceded it, I mean, for first class after all the ones including Deadpool up till now with the X-Men movies first class is still my favorite. And we'll see if it ever gets thrown down as a uh, for a future contender. We'll see. I don't know.
1: Um, okay. All right. So, All right. Well, cons- consensus I think we've listeners. Covered-
0: I think the consensus for our listeners is we don't need you to go see this movie. Do not reward Fox.
1: <laughs> yes, but please tune in to the next podcast for our silky smooth voices.
0: Yes. Uh, please tune into our next future episode podcast to listen to Nate's uh, silky smooth voice. I can't say the same for my own um yeah not only is
1: your voice silky smooth silo but it's smooth silky as well
0: (laughs) uh we are now officially up on spotify itunes
1: look wherever you get your podcasts at go there And then search for us, and then you'll find us. Yes,
0: search for uh, Fanboys Podcast with Nate and Adam. Uh, We want to try and do, hopefully, ideally, a weekly digest. So what do you think? Wednesdays? Is Wednesday a good day for people out there to listen? When do you usually
1: listen to yours, Nate? When I'm at the gym.
0: When you're at the gym.
1: When I'm at the gym, I listen to podcasts instead of music.
0: I do that now, too.
1: Yeah, it's superior to music at the gym. It (laughs) pumps me up, and... It knocks me down and then it pumps me up again. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> we hope that our show keeps uh, listeners up all the time. But also sometimes down so that we can lift you up again. <laughs> we want to be the wind beneath your wings, listeners. We want to be the wind in your sails, the water beneath your stern. <laughs> so we were want everybody... to support you like a good bra. <laughs>
0: All right, I've lost my composure. Uh, That's it for this week's episode of Fanboys with Nate and Adam. I hope you enjoyed it.
1: Stay listening after the podcast for the (laughs) postcast. See you next week, listeners. All right.
0: So there you have it. Uh, I have to admit, I'm actually still laughing after listening back on that whole recording of Nate and I. We get weirder and weirder the more you listen to us, but that's kind of the fun of it. And that's why I wanted to start the show in the first place. That does it for our show this week. Tune in next week for our next episode. We've already got another recording in the can with more to follow. At least uh, one of our next upcoming episodes is a whole new genre to explore. Look forward to that. Please, if you would be so kind, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell one person. Go check out Fanboys with Nate and Adam. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, CastBox. And you can also stream our newest episodes on our website at fanboyspodcast.com. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell us how much you like it. Tell us what you might want to see in the future. Tell us what you think we can improve. We want to keep working on this. It's fun right now. We want to have more guests on in the future. If you want to be a guest on our show, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. You can tag us with at Fanboys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Tune in next week. See you then. I'm glad that we got the recording solved after I test to see and make sure that the audio comes out smoothly. This worked out well, dude.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a work in progress, uh, but I think we're getting where we need to be.
0: I already had one of uh, Michelle's friends, um, her friend's boyfriend. They live in the Netherlands. Uh, give us great props for it. So, made my day. For the sound quality? No, for the for the show in general. Uh, oh which, wow! Which uh, well, they probably don't speak much English. <laughs> no they speak English <laughs> they do <laughs> uh, but that... just a little
1: just enough to think this is good
0: <laughs> that reminds me what do you think of the artwork do you like the album artwork
1: uh, no I want you to update my haircut because I have not had a Jufro since 2008
0: so basically it just needs to look like you're just shy of being clean shaved head like
1: very very short
0: I could try oh, I'm long on
1: top a little bit, yeah. But I have a fade on the side.
0: Yeah, but I mean like first of all, I don't feel like it's like a fro fro. It's short ish. About as long as my character's hair, but it's very It's how I looked
1: in high school. I understand.
0: <laughs> I I I genuinely love the version of your character that I've created. In fact your yours is probably one of my favorites of the whole group. I think I feel I capture your mannerisms quite well.
1: I have no problem with the mannerisms. <laughs> you can; they're pretty much the same as they were 15 years ago. That's fine. <laughs> I enough. just want an animated version of myself that stays up to date. Okay. And I don't think that's crazy. To, I think your haircut should also be updated.
0: Mine's slightly updated. Uh, you go back and compare it to old photos of what my hair looked like. It had the. What what other friends called the swoosh, whatever the hell I was doing. Oh, I remember case. the swoosh. Yeah. That's oh, what, I
1: remember the swoosh. That's what it don't, used to be. Don't talk to me like I don't know the swoosh. <laughs> you don't think I know the swoosh? I know the swoosh.
0: You know the swoosh as much as I remember when you had a bald head and a full beard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now if you made that my avatar, I would not have you change it. <laughs> I don't need. I don't want to make that the avatar. <laughs> The only problem with me uh, having a shaved head and a full beard is all the profiling from the police department and the TSA. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I didn't think about that. Yeah, because you haven't been profiled by the police before.
0: No, I have. Oh, have you? you? You know that
1: story. Give me a break. No, I, you were not profiled that day. That was not profiling. The police, the policeman made a one-liner, and it was a dig at you, and it was unprofessional, but that is not the same as profiling. Fine, Nate. Don't talk to me like I, have, like I haven't known you for 20 years. I know you have. <laughs> and that concludes our podcast postcast. Thank you for tuning in after hours. You sexy, sexy people. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, I also we should come up with a nickname for our listeners. Uh, that will be important. Silo
0: podcast postcast.
1: No, no, that's what the name of the postcast is. Name The, the the post the aftercast is called the postcast. But we need a name for our listeners. For instance, um. And the old TV show, The Colbert Report, right, he addressed his viewers as Nation.
0: Ah, I like
1: um, it. Right? Uh, fans of certain celebrities identify themselves, right? Mm-hmm. People who listen to Insane Clown Posse are called Juggalos.
0: Interesting. I like that. Um, yeah, so I like are, this. So
1: um... there are titles for fan groups, mm-hmm. and... It doesn't have to be this moment. It should not be this moment. But you and I should think about what we're going to address our listeners as, as a collective.
0: I love the idea. I feel like it's something that needs to come up organically.
1: So I hope it it does soon. I like that idea. Oh, I will plant those seeds. (laughs) I'm planting them now. I know you are. Listeners, please comment in however you comment on Adam's posts. Uh,
0: Right now it's Facebook. Uh, In the future, we hope to start a Twitter feed with Nate-isms.
1: Well, uh, Nate agrees with this. Okay, good. (laughs) Did you
0: catch the Uh, first one
1: I tagged you in? (laughs) You should listen to Nate? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (sighs) Well, I I spout many nuggets of wisdom throughout every day. It's exactly why I need uh, a Twitter feed full of them. (laughs) People who record them are wise people. Yeah, (laughs) good. (laughs) Yes, so find a way to comment to Silo and send him your comments on what the uh, listening base should be called.
0: Yes, and uh, maybe we'll create a hashtag for it. But right now, if you're going to share this stuff with your friends, you can find us either on Instagram or Facebook with at fanboyspodcast, and you can also use the hashtag fanboyspodcast.
1: Well, that's that. (laughs) Thank you, and uh, you'll be listening to us next time. Hopefully so. Good night, everybody.
0: (laughs) I'm having a lot of fun, man. How about you? I enjoyed that. That was excellent.